everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not This, the podcast that seeks to deconstruct fear-based belief patterns and systems with curiosity and love. I am your host, Tina Marie Olson, and today we are talking about three stages of consciousness that I am calling separation. Separation is what most of the world is in right now. It's when we see other. It's also when we make a ton of choices about what we want and what we don't want. Then there's bridge, and the bridge is what a lot of us are walking. It's when we start to see clearly that we don't want to just live in separation anymore, but we're one foot in, one foot out as we get our way across to unity. And unity is where we're all going. It's what this whole crazy 2020 thing is all about. It's the next phase of humanity. It's where we live harmoniously in love and in compassion and joy and play and we honor our own and each other's unique gifts and talents and we truly rise to this place where everything is synergistic and regenerative and sustainable for ourselves and all of the beings on earth and earth as a part of the entire universe. So Thank you for joining me today, and I hope you enjoy the episode. I am sending you abundant love. Mm, Welcome back, and thank you for being here with me today. I am sitting and basking in a moment of gratitude. It's beautiful and sunny outside here in Chicago. The birds are chirping. The cicadas have come out to join us on certain occasions. And there's just so much, even in this time, this unprecedented time in our lifetimes of this pandemic and continued extreme uncertainty in what the path forward is, there still is so much to be grateful for. And as I was on my run today, I was thinking about what to call this episode. And part of me wanted to call it like the diamond in the shit, (laughs) like literally in the poop. Because I've been watching Jane the Virgin on Netflix and there was a scene where, uh, long story short, a diamond is loose out of a out of the ring hasn't been set in a ring yet it's going to be used for an engagement proposal and a baby ends up consuming it and of course the baby's fine but they have to monitor the poop to find the diamond right um i feel like it's probably well i don't what the hell do i know about babies maybe this is a likely scenario i also feel like there have probably been a lot of people monitoring their dog's poop over time for valuable objects (laughs) but what made me laugh about that is there is a lot of shit right now it's real it's painful it's worthy of concern and grief, and anger, and sadness, and feelings of helplessness and hopelessness, all of those are true and pure and real aspects of the human experience. And it's times like this when so many people are going through them that we as a collective actually have a huge opportunity to find those places within ourselves and make peace with them if we haven't already. And finding gratitude in the moment is not in denial of grief or helplessness or hopelessness or the fact that there's a pandemic going on. It's actually like one of the healthiest responses that we can possibly have to stay in balance and remember Or maybe even take this belief on for the first time, because I think a lot of us have been brainwashed into believing that we don't have choice. And really, we do. We have a ton of choice. And that's why discussions of privilege are so relevant, because there are very real ways in which a lot of human beings don't have a ton of choice and 
at the same time, quite often, a lot of those cultures are the ones that are most soulful, the ones that are most in touch with the simple things being the things that really matter most. Because when we boil it all down to its essence, life is worth living because of our heart-centered human connections. Life is worth living because of the magic that just appears in front of us in the form of a flower opening up or a return to spring after a long winter or the magic of somebody being vulnerable enough to tell you how much they love and care about you and how much you matter to them. And these are the things that, of course, sounds so cliche, but it's only cliche because it's true. They don't cost any money. But what they do cost is not letting, whether you want to call it the ego, the fear-based parts of us, the tendency towards seeing our own lives from a victim perspective and seeing other people from a perpetrator or a martyr perspective, that's the part of us that's at stake. That's what we have to pay in order to take joy. And actually, that seems like no cost at all, right? Well, to our brains, there's a vested interest in holding ourselves apart and staying in these victimized or martyrized stories and forgetting that we have choice. A lot of ways, or I should say in a lot of ways, that's how we've been twisted to believe that we connect with others. Because for so long, human connection was purely need-based. Now we've evolved to a place where human connection can be interdependent. It can have value on a deep, deep level for everybody involved synergistically. And that's exactly what I want to talk about today. So before we jump into separation, bridge, and unity consciousness, let's take a moment of gratitude together. Let's take a few deep belly breaths, fully letting out on the exhale. This is what brings our bodies back into being guided by our parasympathetic nervous system, the part of our nervous system that knows that we're okay, that allows us to relax, that reminds us that we're not in danger, that allows us to heal, and allows us to come up with much better ideas than the ideas we come up with when we're in panic. So as you take a few more deep breaths, start to look around you, whether you're in your house, whether you're in your car, on a walk, just look at what's around you and notice the first thing that catches your eye. For me, it happens to be a snake plant and a beautiful terrarium with some really happy succulents aiming towards the sun coming through the window. I'm grateful for the life force that these plants are. These are living beings cohabitating with me, and yet they ask nothing of me other than a little bit of water every once in a while. It's amazing how they grow and how they remind me how much I've grown in what short time we've had together. A lot of times we don't stop to think back at how things have changed for the positive. We're always like taking the next hill. And trust me, I love a good hiking analogy. I feel, when I was on my run earlier, 
it was hot. I wasn't feeling that great. I was like a handful of houses from home. And I was like, Tina, you're totally welcome to walk now. And I took two steps walking and I was like, no, I want to run. I'm actually going to run faster. So I took those last few houses faster. Then I walked. Sometimes all we need is the permission to remember that if you do have a nature that actually enjoys taking the next hill, taking the next hike, figuring the next thing out, expanding to the next place, that we're still always doing it by choice. So choice is going to be today's theme. And it's basically what underpins all these levels of consciousness that I'm going to talk about. So first, separation consciousness. Separation consciousness is what we have almost all been born into. It has been the dominant consciousness on the planet for quite some time. And what separation consciousness tells us is that there's always a better way. There's always something different. We are blasted in the face with contrast. And what I mean by contrast is literally things that are black and white. And yeah, we might see shades in between. We might see some other options in between. But how often does it ring true that we're navigating life and someone might ask us a question about why we're doing what we're doing? And the one of two answers that's either given is, well, of course I'm doing this because I wouldn't do it that other way. Black, white, right? Or basically, well, how else would I do it? Just black or white. Just one of the two polarities. And this is really, really helpful in our evolution. Because... It's the birthplace of us understanding that there's choice. And part of the reason why there's so much contrast on Earth when we come here as souls is because it's an opportunity for our souls to learn what we came here to learn in really rapid fashion. Because there's so much contrast tossed at us constantly that we're always choosing, 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 choosing. And when we're doing that, we're strengthening aspects of self, right? And those aspects of self might be, especially if they feel expansive and positive and like it's the direction you're really meant to be going, then that might be part of the virtues that your souls came here to learn. So... Why then are we talking about separation consciousness as like the beginning step of an evolution when separation consciousness has so much value to us? Great question, Tina. Why don't you tell us? (laughs) Because sifting through contrast, while beneficial to us, also comes at a pretty exhausting cost. And it has the potential of locking us into forgetting that we have choice and kind of handcuffing us to the one way that we happen to be seeing reality. And of course, as you know, we don't tend to see reality one way in all situations or aspects of life. But we can have like maybe a whole aspect of life where it just seems stuck and we're just seeing it one way. And that can actually be our biggest key to unlocking maybe one of the big reasons why your soul came here. 
Because the figuring out of why that thing is transpiring, why that stuckness exists, what the root is underneath the belief that you're stuck. And stuck looks like a lot of different things and you might not identify it as stuck. On one level, I know you know deep down what it is. And on the other hand, it might look like becoming really resentful towards other people when other people have the thing that you perceive is the key to your handcuffs. So let's just use money as an example. If you feel like money would unlock your freedom, which it might, but you get triggered every time you perceive somebody else has that money and thus that freedom that you don't have, And then you go into a spiral of either blaming yourself or resenting the other person, then that's a huge clue that that's a particular aspect of life for you to unlock. I did an episode with Mira Meg's Lathrop, who is an amazing human on a incredible journey. And Her zone of genius, in part, is about creating this new economy. What do quantum finances look like in your life? So one of the ways that we unlock ourselves out of separation is by opening to curiosity and beginner's mindset thinking instead of saying, It's either or believing that it's true that you're stuck or shaming yourself, resenting others. Instead of staying in that dynamic, we say, okay, who's been really actively working to unlock this? Why don't I see what I can learn from that person? And maybe you get as far with that person or that person's programming as you can get and you realize there's actually something deeper going on. Or maybe they help you realize what that deeper thing was that was going on. But the initial story, the thing that gives you so much angst is actually a huge gift in separation consciousness. So when we start to open up to the fact that it's not simply just quote-unquote true that you are suffering, that you are a victim, that this situation is awful. All of those things may be true. And you also have choice about how you handle it, how you show up to it every day, and you don't have to do it alone. And that's another one of the huge myths of separation consciousness. That if if you're ever going to get out of it, that you have to figure it out on your own. Nope, that's just the separation speaking to you. Hence, separation. (laughs) You're separate from every other human being who has encountered this same Earth School lesson. So Pema Chodron is an American Buddhist nun and amazing teacher. And... She has an audio, I will link it in the show notes because I don't know what it's called off the top of my head, but it is amazing and it's about, it's a particular Buddhist practice where you go through, when you're truly suffering, you go through a four-step process and I couldn't name all four steps off the top of my head, but what I can tell you is the point of it is to unlock us out of believing that we're, like it's, it's the heart of self-compassion So it's allowing us to have compassion for self and coming home to that. And in part, by using the prayer that we hope that this never happens to anybody else, that other people don't suffer in the same way. And what it reminds us of is the fact that other people do suffer in the same way all the time. The details might be different. And that's another thing that separation consciousness when we're only locked in that perspective when we're locked in the non-beneficial parts of the separation perspective it'll tell us that our details 
are so different from everybody else's that not only could nobody help us or support us, but nobody could even understand. Nobody could even ever empathize. And when you take the definition of empathy through a separation consciousness lens, then that definition of empathy says, well, unless I've literally gone through the same situation, I can't understand. I can't, I can't truly empathize. But I want to call bullshit on that right now because we've never, ever gone through the same situation as somebody else because you're not them. You don't have the same life experiences they do and they don't have the same life experiences you do. Their part in the interaction is different. All of all of its all of the details are different, right? And so if we stop at a perspective of empathy that we can only truly empathize when we've gone through a literal same, then we see quickly that that's a dead end, right? So we get to step back to a higher perspective which actually says we can empathize by understanding the underlying energies and emotions that the person's experiencing. And when we've touched those in our own hearts, in our own lives, then we have a place to be able to truly have empathy for somebody else, right? And when we go all the way to unity consciousness with that, we can automatically have empathy and compassion for every person in every situation regardless. So yes, of course, if you're going through something really, really hard and you're wanting to find a coach who you really think understands, for example, even though coaching isn't about telling you how to navigate it, it's about asking you questions and letting you live your own truth and find what that is and having a person who lovingly and compassionately holds space for you and asks you questions. But it still makes sense that that human part of you might want somebody who's been through something similar. That's perfect. That's lovely. That's fine. But that's coming from a unity perspective. We're all one and I'm choosing to have somebody come along this journey with me who has something pretty damn similar to share because we are all human. And very few humans have this complete unity perspective in compassion and love mastered. So jumping into bridge consciousness is what I've recently been referring to with regard to what happens when we start to awaken. And when I say start, I don't mean this has to be new. I'm still starting to awaken in many aspects of life. And I've been at this like it's a hiking trail and like it's my job for a solid seven years now. And still, I'm a beginner. There's always more aspects to awaken to and expand to and grow and heal. So when I talk about bridge consciousness, it's when we're awakening in an aspect or maybe it's many aspects of life. And so we start to see the separation and we often start to kind of rail against the separation. So hear me out. Going back to that example before, let's say someone in your life, whatever is transpiring with them is triggering you for some reason. And you realize that what's triggering you is that the actions that they're taking, for example, are out of alignment with what they've been saying they value or something like that. So you can see clearly the ways in which they are completely in separation consciousness still and they're like suffering from the separation consciousness, right? They're, they're in the suffering. They've believed it. It's causing more suffering. It's in a spiral. And on the bridge, we start to see that clearly but then we, st- we also continue to push it away. It's other. So there's still an element of separation. Because if you think about being on a bridge, a bridge is connecting to aspects of land, right? So there's still one foot 
connected to separation. You have to still be able to see the separation in order to rail against it. And you're also on the way to unity. So once you start walking the bridge to unity, you see the separation more clearly. You might become even more agitated or irritated by it. I can't believe I was over there. (laughs) Because you're still a work in progress, right? And so you're seeing other humans. Some of them you're seeing as, oh my gosh, I see the ways in which we're united. I see the ways in which we can co-create. I see the ways in which spirit is involved in all of this. But then you're also seeing other humans as wrong or stuck or pushing away or whatever, right? So you're halfway in between. And this is a really beautiful process because it's where it's where the work is. It's we're no longer just making choices in day-to-day life of seeing something, rejecting it, seeing something, accepting it, seeing something, rejecting it, seeing something, accepting it. A lot of that happening unconsciously and the whole time feeling maybe a degree of misery because your soul's trying to, that separation consciousness I just described and your soul's trying to push you beyond it, right? That's why a lot of times we have to have a dark night of the soul in order to have our first opening to bridge consciousness because that dark night brings us down deep enough into our pain and suffering that are caused by living in this separation that we finally start to open to things that are even more true. So for me, my first dark night of the soul was a result of a really painful breakup and the pain I was experiencing, I would learn later, was a sacred messenger from my soul. But at the time... My ego, the part of myself that was there to keep myself safe, was blaming my heart for loving so much. So that caused me, that thought pattern of blaming my heart for loving so much caused me to go into the deepest, darkest depths of pain possible because it was a very, very misaligned belief. As it turns out, now that I know my human design... And now that I had an experience where I was given my life purpose by spirit, I know that I'm here to be a vessel of love. And so my heart guides everything. So when I was sitting in the belief that my heart was to blame for loving too much, that caused me to be further and further away from my true self. And the farther we get away from our true selves, the more pain we experience. Because that is our soul screaming, not that way. For crying freaking out loud, Tina, not that way. (laughs) And so about, thank God, it was only about two weeks. But about two weeks in, I all of a sudden had the heart energy awakening. I all of a sudden had the realization of, oh my God, I am not feeling this pain because I loved too much. I'm feeling this pain because I love so much and I was trying to tell myself not to. I was trying to close my heart. And in fact, paradoxically, because this is how it always works, it's always in paradox. So if you're looking at something right now and you're wondering why the hell you feel so terrible, literally look at the opposite thing behind you because the paradox will be the truth. So for me, in that moment, it was, holy shit. I'm here to experience what it feels like to let my heart lead the way completely with thoughts, judgments, analytics, lots and lots of head energy no longer overriding this precious heart of mine that came to be in the driver's seat. And of course, my soul would have chosen a pretty overactive mind in order to give me the challenge to discover that my true power was in my heart, not my head. So that was my initial awakening to, to being on the bridge. 
right? And at the time when we start to awaken, then we start to find maybe we find more solace in yoga classes and yogic philosophy, or maybe we find Buddhism, or maybe we find a deeper level of whatever faith tradition you came from, or maybe you go away from faith traditions altogether and you start to connect to a spirit, to something greater than you on your own, no matter the way, there tends to be an opening to subtle energies and to so much more being true than simply the physical world that we previously thought was all there was. Or maybe you start to have more actual experiences of the spiritual components of life instead of them being an intellectualized experience, you know? I know a lot of people who were brought to church their whole lives and maybe they've continued going as an adult, but they're still not sure if they believe in a lot of it. It's like, well, yeah, that completely makes sense. Of course you wouldn't be sure because you're engaging with something that's still an external experience. It's not a lived experience. It's not an embodied experience, right? But once you've had a dark night, chances are you came out of that dark night via some sort of spiritual experience. And these, I mean, this could be all over the place. It doesn't have to be some giant epiphany. It doesn't have to be a kundalini awakening where your your entire body all of a sudden has a different energy to it. It could be things that are much more subtle. It could be noticing, starting to notice angel numbers like 1111 or 222, or it could be starting to just have that much more certainty that all the signs that you once maybe thought were from a loved one who had passed are actually like you're getting messages or maybe it's in dream experiences. I mean, there's as many different ways to experience having an awakening to bridge consciousness as there are humans, right? Who've gone through the experience. But in that first initial early stage, I think then the brain, or at least this was true for me, often wants to think like, oh, I'm heading to enlightenment. (laughs) But really what we're doing is we're walking the bridge. And so it's going to be a lot of learning. It's going to be a lot of various earth school lessons that bring us into deep old energy patterns to heal and release. One of the things that I think is so challenging about the bridge phase is, again, the paradox in the fact that the old energy that's coming up to leave is actually what you start to see and experience much more often because it's leave it's like literally it was as if you had a house guest that was living in a closet that you had no idea about and all of a sudden they're walking through your house and they're waving goodbye and you're seeing them for what you think is the first time but their energy was in the closet the whole time having an impact on your life you just weren't consciously aware of it So if you are somebody who relates to this bridge phase and you continue to have heavy energies come up, big emotional experiences, big energetic experiences, big physical experiences, whatever whatever form they come in, thought patterns, whatever, don't fret. It's a part of the process. It's just big energy coming up so that it can leave. I just paused for a sip of water and it's 333 here. So pretty perfect for what we're talking about. Spirit is definitely with us. And as I say, this is Spirit's podcast after all. I just happen to be the voice that opens my mouth and says goofy things and then laughs at myself every once in a while. (laughs) So for all of you who are on the bridge... I am sending you huge love. I'm sending you the the reminder that the people who may escort you across the bridge or across sections of the bridge are abundantly out there and available. 
they know that their purpose is that they came here to support this transition in consciousness. And no matter what topic or aspect of life you are wanting to learn about and wanting to bridge yourself into unity consciousness with next, there is a guide of sorts for you. And by guide, I mean that can be, that can literally mean anything. If you're on a hike, a guide might be pulling up the rear to make sure that everyone's okay and maybe the guide has some extra supplies on their back or maybe the guide is walking up front or maybe the guide is walking right next to you. I remember a really cool experience where we were blindfolded and we had somebody who was a relative stranger next to us. This was at a digital detox retreat that I went to with a couple friends many years ago, right at the beginning of my awakening. And we were guided by this somebody next to us who was, I don't remember whether or not they were holding on to our elbow or anything, um, or if we were just walking next to each other. But they had to guide us to make sure we didn't, we were walking through the forest to make sure we didn't trip on any um, tree roots or rocks and that we were staying on the path. There's so much power in trusting other human beings and not wearing a separation lens in our bridge experience, but instead wearing the unity lens. What would this look like if I could handle this transition already from a unity perspective? What it w- would it look like if I knew that there are gifts for me on the other side of this and that there's abundant support and it's just a matter of how I want to play and learn this part of the journey? Instead of the separation lens would look more like, oh God, here it goes again. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I'll figure it out. And then, you know, two steps back, one step forward, falling back into old patterns that are very temporarily helpful. You know, those tend to get the label of addictions, but even simple things like online shopping or planning another trip or whatever, they're ways that we, and again, all of it with compassion, right? We're all humans. We're doing our best. But once we start to walk the bridge, we we don't go back. We can't go back. Our bodies and our beings simply won't let us. So if you are in the bridge and you're exhausted, give yourself a break, but also give yourself permission. Give yourself permission to sit down on the bridge where you are and know that all of the aspects of separation will eventually be ferreted out of you and they don't have to leave today or tomorrow. As a matter of fact, they probably won't. Because we're all working through this together. And yes, we're at different places on the bridge. Maybe some people have not gone through the toll plaza yet. What I've noticed is some people seem to be seeing the traffic at the toll plaza, i.e. this massive contraction that's happening within... (laughs) called 2020 right now and they're sitting in it and they're feeling the contraction and they're feeling the pain of this really really small space that they feel like they have to operate in the the few choices that they have from their current perspective and that's very true because when we I'm gonna say refuse because it's a stub- a certain stubbornness that comes with this aspect of ego. When we refuse to open ourselves up to various aspects 
of ourselves as possible to change. And so in other words, we're holding a whole bunch of things constant. This is how life was. So this is how it should be. This one aspect seems like it's completely falling apart and starting to cause all these other aspects to fall apart. But God damn it, I'm going to refuse to change any of these other aspects. I'm just going to try to fix this one initial thing that seems to be causing everything to fall apart. When we get locked in that dynamic, it causes the walls to close in further and further and further. And if we allow that process to happen and let the walls come in, that's what allows for a dark night. And the dark night is, can be fucking terrifying. But when the dark night happens, the new dawn also comes. The opening comes and the opening is so much bigger than ever would have been possible. The expansion, the space that you have to live in becomes so much more expansive than was ever possible under the old perspectives. There's another thing I want to address, which I've seen lately, a lot of actually, and it's directly to this point, which is there are a lot of people who have taken the belief that you can basically just optimize your individual experience within separation consciousness. In other words, let's not walk the bridge. Let's not have the terrifying dark night of the soul, i.e. paying the toll. Let's instead optimize my personal experience without ever having to truly touch all of these parts of the human experience that feel dark and heavy and terrifying that cause you to break wide open and actually be able to see and have a new perspective. And this can come in many, many forms. It could be emotional like it was for me and energetic. It could be spiritual, spiritually led. It could be physically led through an illness or disease of yourself or a loved one or an injury. There's many, many ways that this can transpire. This being the dark night and the opening. The, the, the dark night is defined by like the epitome of suffering that transpire, transpires before the opening can happen. So what I'm talking about with this kind of like gaming the separation mentality and staying in the individual and just like being the best individual I can be, I have no idea what different souls chose for this lifetime. But what I do know is that in unity consciousness, there's room for all of us no matter where we are in a development. And also, we're only going to get as a species on this planet to where we need to be if a vast majority of us buy into actual unity consciousness, have the bravery to actually walk the bridge, have the bravery to actually let go of these super hardwired beliefs that keep us separate from each other, keep us separate from the planet, keep us separate from the other beings that we live amongst and with and that we rely on. Kelsey sent me yesterday an article about wasps and how they've gotten the short end of the stick compared to their bee friends. And she sent this to me because I had last week I had my third bee sting in about six months um, and I hadn't been stung by a bee in like 20 years prior so I knew that there's like tons of bee energy bee medicine if you will coming for me and this article is talking about how bees have gotten like so much positive press in essence 
<laughs> and it's all deserved. But that wasps actually also have like a huge role to play. And I will link the article instead of trying to describe to you in more detail. If you find yourself interested, I'll put the article in the show notes. But it ended with saying, if you love figs and orchids, then, you know, wasps may be some of your best friends. And I was like, oh, my God, not only did I just plant a fig tree in my soul dog Oski's honor with some of his ashes and some healing dirt from Chimayu and did that at the beginning of winter. But orchids are near and dear to my heart. And uh, at one point in time in my life, I considered myself a budding orchid connoisseur, pun intended. Um, And so (laughs) all of these beings, all of these beings deserve to be a part of our rising. And our rising is not complete until we've allowed our own personal experience to be integrated and vice versa. I'm not fully healed until you are too. And sure, we have different roles to play in that process. We find ourselves in different parts of the bridge or different parts of the land. But if you're somebody who kind of intuitively knows that they're not sitting in the toll plaza, ready to start crossing the bridge, no matter how terrified you are, if you're sitting in the toll plaza, you're committed, right? But if you're kind of like, getting off on neighborhood streets and driving around in circles and getting back on the freeway and being like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go there. I don't know. I don't. I implore you to just sit with your soul for a few minutes. I mean, a few minutes each day would be amazing, but even just a few minutes once. And really ask yourself, What are you trying to avoid and why? And what are the gifts that might be available to you on the other side? And you might not have the first clue as to what the gifts are, but what if the gift was simply not having to spend any more energy avoiding this thing anymore? That can be a rock star of a gift. And maybe spending a few minutes with your soul looks like meditation, but maybe it looks like looking at yourself in the mirror and trying to project as much love towards yourself as you possibly can. Maybe it looks like taking a walk by yourself for a few minutes And not talking to anybody, not listening to a podcast or music, not distracting yourself, but really just being with your heart. Maybe even on that walk or in that meditation or staying in front of the mirror, you put your hands on your heart. Because this is what I know to be true about unity consciousness. It's a loving embrace for all of us. It's where we've chosen love over fear time and time and time again. And did you know that for every single time someone makes the choice of love over fear? And I don't mean like grand sweeping romantic gestures. I mean simple day-to-day things. You know if you're making a choice from love or fear. If you ask yourself or if someone else were to ask you, why are you doing this? And your first answer is, well, I'm afraid if I don't. (sighs) Afraid. Fear. And that's a moment for compassion 
Again, we're all humans navigating a crazy time. And this is a time with some of the biggest gifts that have been available in our lifetime so far. And I promise there are gifts for you. There are gifts for all of your loved ones. There are gifts for all of us in this time. Our very, very first step with all of it is to just have a little more compassion and then some more compassion after that and then even more compassion. Maybe you want to write a letter to yourself. Maybe there's something to forgive yourself about. Maybe there's something to just remind yourself that you did nothing wrong and that this is really, really hard and you're navigating really, really beautifully. If you want to actively work with any of these toll booth or bridge energies that you're experiencing, a situation in life, a story that keeps coming up, I have a Path of Joy course, seven days, less than 20 minutes of content a day, $55, super accessible from both a time and money perspective. I'll link that in the show notes as well. But most importantly, I want to leave you with the fact that you're on the bridge for a reason or you're in the tollway traffic for a reason. Just keep taking the next right step forward in love and compassion, in joy, and even in play. And you will be incredibly surprised at how much life can change. I love you so much and I am sending you infinite, abundant, unconditional love from Source. Mm-hmm.